you don't think that you're the bee's knees and the be all and, and end all. What you're doing is you're reflecting back because, you know, we do need to reflect. And so demonstrate the reflection. Demonstrate that there's, there's, that you're humble and that you are looking to improve things. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hi guys, and welcome to another Interference Cast. This time I'll be talking about portfolios and their relevance. I've got a couple of guests, a few snippets from a few other episodes actually, uh, new content uh, that will hopefully help in the decision of how to actually make a portfolio, the relevance of it, and what principles are looking for, and the journeys of some successful associates and what advice they can impart. I'm gonna be sharing with you my own portfolio and my own CV, and that's not to say that my CV is the best CV by any stretch of imagination. I know far more skilled dentists, uh, young dentists who have brilliant glowing CVs and portfolios, but I'm going to show you mine, just warts and all, because who does that, right? So I'm going to try and be as helpful as I can be. Maybe they'll give you some ideas, some inspiration. Um, and ultimately, I just want to remind you that none of this matters essentially, as much as your emotional intelligence, your personality, how likable you are, your communication skills. Are you a team player? Everyone I know who is a principal that you really want to work for, someone who is really forward thinking, they all have one thing in common, I think, from what I've deduced. And that's they're really higher for personality rather than the credentials. I think the credentials play a role and they're important. And that's where I'll show a little bit about portfolios and what mistakes that I, I share in my portfolio uh, as part of reflective learning. But ultimately, remember that your personality and your people skills are far, far, far more important than what's on any piece of paper. Also, making some cameo appearances in this podcast will be Barry Alton, who will be talking about as someone who's hired lots of dentists before. What is he looking for? And I've also got Alan Bergen, who's such a fantastic guy to speak to, uh, a very successful young associate who I think shares a few gems. If you're a young dentist, that journey that you take into finding your first job or the right job, um, and he's got a few gems to share. They all, they both have their own episodes coming up, but I took a few snippets, so they'll have a few cameo appearances in this episode. Okay guys, so this is my CV. Um, I've redacted some of my personal details. Uh, so it starts off with uh, about me, but even before then, um, funny story, I used to have like a really stupid, funny logo. Uh, and then a dentist who I really admire told me, Jazz, that's a really stupid logo, get rid of it. It really um, ruins your sort of uh, the hard work that you do and and this lovely all the lovely things that you've done you're sort of discrediting it by having this stupid logo uh, i won't share that stupid logo with you however it, i think it, it begs the question are logos uh, important i don't think they're important but um i know some dentists that will uh, actually think of uh, another young dentist with less experience in lower regard if they've got a logo because they think you know who the hell is this young dentist one year qualified to have a logo however even though i don't have a logo on my cv uh, at the moment uh i think times have changed you know 
I think the world is a completely different different place. It's a, it's a world of social media, social presence, uh, and to have a, a branding associated with you is it's not a bad thing. Uh, some people, maybe some of the oldies, I don't know, maybe I'll get shot for saying that, I don't know. But some of the oldies maybe think that uh, it's, it's not a good idea to have um, a logo, but I think it's part of personal branding. So maybe I might ask someone who I really admire and respect what they think about that, and they'll probably think, who cares? Uh, it's not the, the make or break deal, but that's just something aside about a logo. So I start off writing a little bit about myself, uh, then I dive straight in into education. So fairly standard two-page CV, nothing fancy, nothing different. Some people do all sorts of crazy different things. Mine is pretty boring and plain. Uh, and then my work history, uh, what I learned, I also just write the types of work that I carried out. For example, in my restorative uh, DCT position, the type of work that I did, that's written at the bottom there as well. Some published work, some prizes, like I said, uh, we made an app once, I stuck that in there. Does it really matter? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's what um, you know makes or breaks your uh, you getting the position or not. It's just sometimes when there's hundreds of applicants for a position, then these little things may give you uh, a bonus. Debatable. Uh, none of these are important as your personality, but I'll just show you uh, a few examples of leadership and management, personal interests, CPD. Now, I've seen, I've seen some CVs which um, are like seven pages of just a listing every single course you have done. And when I first saw that, I was like, wow, I was actually quite impressed. But then again, it becomes quite long. So I don't know if you want to do that. Um, certainly, it's good to have a log of every single uh, CPD you've done, but um, I wouldn't like put every single half an hour uh, section 63 course you've done, just a big courses. So I put a few a few select ones that I've got on there, but you may follow that approach of having every single course on there. If you've done some uh, big ones, if you like, and you want to, you know, if you're proud of them and you want to stick them on there, some people have done that. I've just kept it to a few uh, and I keep a little PDP, very small, just a sentence at the end. So that's my CV part. But then what I've got is lots and lots and lots of cases. This is my portfolio. So I start off with um, my finals case, you know, uh, this, this has been on my CV since like day one. So I was very proud of my finals case. Um, so I've got that on there. Uh, a crown prep using VertiPrep approach. Some composites I did in the earlier years. This is me as a first year out of dental school. Then some... Um, Dial composites I've done in hospital training, some internal bleaching, just a range of different things I've done, some crown lengthening once upon a time, uh, treating brown spots, white spots, composite bonding, just a, a selection. Now, when you start out, you may, you may only have like two cases, it's a composite uh, and maybe um, a denture. That's totally fine. You know, uh, it's just some evidence that, you know, you can carry out some good dentistry is, is, is fine. I think it shows some discipline about you and the fact that you've actually gone through the effort of documenting on cases. That's partly what I think a portfolio shows as well, that you are, uh, you've got the oomph in you to actually be um, disciplined to, you know, save your photos, crop them, flip them um, and reflect on them. So that, that's why I think that it shows as well. Um, I'm happy to show some blood. I'm happy to show a, a torn rubber dam. I really struggle with that composite you see there, but I still stuck it on because it shows my human side. Uh, so I, I, I'm perfectly fine to show that I'm not perfect. Um, and yeah, I just basically, you could see the volume of cases I have in my portfolio. And these have, like I said, been building up over time. I did not have a portfolio this large when I started out. Uh, and just all sorts of cases that I have. Not all of them are 10 out of 10 stunners. Some are uh, just average or slightly below average, but I've just stuck it in there. Sometimes they make for good conversation uh, if you get to the interview stage. Some dial work. So you get the idea. And I've also got some OPGs of wisdom teeth that I have removed surgically. 
So if you, you know, if you think you're um, proud of some of the extractions you've done, wisdom teeth, a good skill to, to show. And at the end, I've got my references and a paper that I wrote. So that's essentially what my portfolio is and what my CV is. Nothing crazy. Now, sometimes people do all sorts of um, funky things with their CV. Um, if I can think of an example. So I'm on a website called Canva, canva.com now, and they've got some pretty cool uh, like templates you can use. So for example, you can use this template, uh, add your name on. Uh, I think these look pretty funky, pretty nice. I wish I had access to this when I was first making my uh, CV. I could still change it, but I'm sort of got a job now, so I'm not needing to. But certainly uh, I will use canva.com to, to find a uh, re relevant template that you can use. Uh, so here we are, um, another sort of template you can see on your screen there. So these are pretty cool, uh, I have to say. Um, <laughs> you know what? This one reminds me of the sort of logo that I had, the, the stupid logo I told you about. So it gives you a clue as to what I had. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty good. Uh, Canva templates, I think are they look nice. But again, this is not as important as the soft skills that you have. The, everything about a portfolio and CV, the purpose is to get that interview. And it's at that interview that you're going to wow them with your uh, beautiful personality uh, and charisma and uh, giving them confidence that you're going to treat their patients really, really well. So I hope that was uh, useful to see. Uh, I'm not sure if it was. Please hit me up and let me know if it was or it wasn't. And, and let's see what uh, Barry Alton has to say and what Alan Bergen has to say. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. So, so, so Barry, I, I wanted to have you on to speak about something that follows on from a, a recent episode uh, I, I posted about finding your first associate position and how people can uh, go about doing that. And I've been flooded with questions from... I mean, it's it's a sorry situation for everyone involved at the moment uh, in the world, you know, uh, but in dentistry, we like to sometimes reflect on the people who, who may have been hit very hard. And that is DF1s, their first year out of dental school, six months into it or, or thereabouts, they've now um, completely out of clinical practice, something that they're starved of. They're only just about to get in that position. We're about to, t you know, advance out of their comfort zone to do the bigger cases. They've only just got the the, the grasp of uh, general dental care in the real world. And now everything's come to a halt. And they're in this position where they have to now apply for their first yep. potential associate position. I want to know from you is what should, what should they be thinking right now? And I want you to then tell us about, because I know you are, you know, you're hiring the dentists now and again, and yeah. you've been through that procedure many times before. What do yeah. you look for in a CV? To what can make you stand out? And importantly, what do you look for in a portfolio? Because I think about 10 years ago, no one, I mean, as, at least is my perception, 10 years ago, we didn't have portfolios. We didn't need portfolios. But every young dentist I know, I know now who's applying, and rightfully so, they've got a portfolio. What do you think would be in a portfolio that impresses you and what doesn't? Okay. So firstly, huge subject, right? Um, 
the first thing is, uh, if they're coming at it, let me, let me tell you about my experience when I was a VT trainer. Um, people would just send uh, kind of generic letters. Dear sir, uh, dear, I got a couple, dear dentist. I got, a, I mean, honestly, mate, I was like, so that came through. It was like, Ben, if you can't be, asked to, can't be asked to find out my name, then on you go. The ones that I have been impressed with uh, and, and thought about hiring are the ones that have demonstrated in their covering letter that they have done a bit of research about the practice. You know, I've just recently hired a new associate, uh, primarily because I want a mentor uh, and he wants mentoring. I've got a lot to share. Um, his covering letter really was about the fact that, you know, I, I noticed that you do this, Barry, and you do this, that, and I've seen you do this. And, and I'm like, okay, this kid has, has made an effort to find out about me and to find out about the area and the patient. I had, I had one ab, ab, applicant that I contacted and um, I said, so where, where do you live? And it was a London. I said, so do you know how long it would take to get to the practice? And he went, no, not yet. And I thought, oh dear, right, yeah. jog on mate. If you haven't even researched, how are you going to get here? you clearly don't give us stuff. You're just pepper spraying. So I like um, somebody's covering letter that demonstrates that they've made an effort. I really liked uh, recently somebody applied and then followed it up with a phone call. I just wanted to check. I've sent Dr. Alton a covering letter in my CV. I just wanted to check that he received it. And if he would like to have a chat or anything like that, I'm available. And I'm just like, right, this is somebody that's demonstrating that they, they give two, two hoots about this job and they want it. Barry, I think that's really good. And I think a lot of young dentists may feel shy or reserved or as if they are not in a position to do that. But I think it's great you mentioned that actually when you send it out, it's completely okay to follow up with a, with a phone call. That's a really good point. Uh, I think it's, um, I think you need to have a USP. What, what is your unique selling point? You know, why would I want you at my practice? And it's not about bragging. It's not about going because I'm awesome because um, we're not going to know that for three to six months, to be perfectly honest. You know, what I want to know is that you're going to care for my patients and look after my patients. And I'm different from some other principles. Other principles might be focusing on gross revenue, whereas my focus of attention is on quality and care and, you know, looking after the patient. So I think that you, you need to be aware of what sort of practice you're applying to what sort of dentistry you want to do. Um, it's worth uh, mentioning a few bits in that. I think it's quite hard. I, 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 like I mentioned to you earlier on, actually, just that I'm about, I've, I'm writing at the moment, currently writing a training, an online training course. Um, and I'll send you the logo, but it is get that dream job. And it's not bespoke to dentistry. It's generic because if I was to, and when you go on and have a look at it, you know, if you go on, there's nothing available right now, but there will be. And I give you three descriptions of three different, of three houses. Do you remember when we did predicates on the two day training? 
VAK. I don't remember. The, uh, yeah, okay, VAK, yeah. Right. So some of us are highly visual. We process our information visually. Some of us are auditory, where we process most of our world through our hearing and sounds, and we describe our world through that. And other, others of us are kinesthetic. We, we like to touch and feel things, and we process through our feelings and describe our world through our feelings. So I start off with a document that gives you three choices of houses. And each one of them is written in one of those predicates, visual, auditory, mm-hmm. and kinesthetic. And say, which house would you prefer? And you generally pick one. And then I say, right, well, they're all the same house. They're just described in somebody's predicate. Now, when each applicant describes themselves, they will describe themselves through the words that they represent their world with. So they might describe themselves through highly visual language. If myself as the deciding factor of whether I interview you are highly kinesthetic, I am going to be drawn to a covering letter that is more written by somebody who's kinesthetic than I am to somebody who's visual. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's their, their, their own predicate will, the type of predicate will appeal to a certain type of principle. Absolutely. So what's the secret? The secret is to write covering letters that make sure that we're covering all of the predicates because you don't know what that principle is going to be. You don't know what their preference is. So by wording carefully the, the opening paragraph increases the likelihood that the principle is going to go, I'm going to take a look at this, this person mm-hmm. rather than going, Oh, I really like this group because this group will be the ones that wrote purely in his his predicate but you know he might be pushing aside others that aren't including some of the language so i can't go into it too deeply right now suffice to say that there's there are ways of writing carefully with some words that speak to more people mm-hmm. and give give the 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 vision of what you've got and actually give them a better feeling about you based on the words that you put in that being said, from broad strokes, use names, you know, show interest. Um, and because the idea is to get your foot in the door and get an interview. Yep. So the, the, um, the, 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 the CV, the portfolio, the cover letter is a vehicle to, to get the interview. Once you get the interview, that's a whole different beast. Uh, yeah. It gives, you know, once they can see you and meet you, and it may be through a Zoom meeting nowadays, but, it, you know, it's all about getting yeah. your foot, the foot in the door for an interview. So they, they've, they've got a, a cover letter that is personalized, that's been well-researched, that's in the name of the principal and is about their town. It's, it's, it's using the correct uh, predicate, if you like, that it's going to, um, you know, vary it. It's going to use the, all three predicates. Yeah. Okay. Because you don't know. There are no typos. Oh, absolutely. Get, get somebody to read it. You know, get your punctuation right. You know, we're scientists, right? I haven't really written anything since I was at uni. At uni, you're used to writing a load. I mean, nowadays you probably don't write. You probably type. And we got Grammarly and stuff like that. So goddamn use that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's, it's really not acceptable to have a load of mistakes in a letter now. I'm just mindful of time because I really want to push that. What about the portfolio? Because that's the the, the new thing, uh, relatively yeah. new portfolios. I mean, I, I'm going to talk a little bit in the video about what's inside. I'm going to just show my portfolio uh, and what that involves. But what are you looking for in a portfolio nowadays? How, you know, you might let's imagine you've got 100 um, CVs, cover letters, portfolios. 
Half of them you can dismiss because they say dear dentist or whatever. Uh, the others you don't get a good feel for, but a lot of these are going to be identical. They've all qualified in, you know, 2019, 2020, for example, in, you know, if you take this uh, batch of uh, DF1 uh, dentists, they've all got the same MFDS or whatever. What are you looking for in a portfolio that's going to speak to you? So if, if I'm looking to recruit somebody of that age, of that uh, experience group, age is irrelevant, but the experience is they're just completing DFT. What I don't expect is a portfolio that's full of full mouth rehab and this, that, and the other, because quite honestly, you know, I, I anybody that is overreaching or, or effectively bragging, I'm like, I'm mindful of that. You you can't be that good after a year, right? You can have the right mindset of, I'm the best that I can be at the moment and I want to be better. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that I can, at that, at that level of experience, I'm looking for somebody that I can work with and mentor and help and be there for. I'm not expecting somebody to come in. I wouldn't personally be expecting somebody just to come in and hit the ground running. I think that for me personally, that's unrealistic for somebody that is effectively a year qualified. And you can't possibly have been exposed to all of all of it in a year. So I want a portfolio that demonstrates what they've done. But also, I quite like it when you tell me what you could do better. Because the whole thing about dentistry, the whole thing about life is it's a constant, never-ending journey of learning and improving. I'm of the mindset there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And if you say, you know, this is a case that I did... Uh, on my next case, I would like to improve this by doing this, this, this. I'm thinking, do you know what? That's great. You don't think that you're the bee's knees and the be all and, and end all. What you're doing is you're reflecting back because, you know, we do need to reflect. And so demonstrate the reflection. Demonstrate that, there's, there's, that you're humble and that you are looking to improve things because we all should be, even 25 years qualified, I should still be, and I am, reflecting back. How could have I have improved that? What areas would I like to grow? Uh, I like a portfolio that demonstrates a range of skills, but also does give me an idea of their uh, limitations. You know, I don't, I don't want, I did hire a, an apprentice, um, and one of the applicants... Uh, failed to disclose that um, he or she had never done a molar endo, uh, had never done a crown prep. These are, this is even after DFT. Um, and that they'd had quite a restriction on certain things. Well, that's quite important for me to know because it would be better for me to know that and go, great, you know, we can introduce you slowly. I can hold your hand. I can, you know, take you through that. So I think it's showing some of your best stuff. Uh, it's being honest, it's being reflective and it would be useful if you can, that your, um, that your portfolio reflects your personality. So make it neat, make it smart, make it professional, make it slightly different, you know, whether it's on a USB or whether it's, you know, hardbound or whatever. You know, if there's one job you're going for and you really want it, I mean, put some effort into that, 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 that communication, that, that folder, that, that book, whatever it is. Brilliant. 
Thank you very much, Barry. I think that's going to be really useful. I'm going to add on a few things uh, showing my portfolio and some little basic testimonials. I've got like a, a coloring that this is some years ago. I, I, I had a, a coloring done by uh, my five-year-old patients that, uh, you know, we got along really well and they made a little coloring, a little drawing of me. And I've always kept that as like a, one of my proudest testimonials from my patient. And I think principals like to see that show your human side, you're good with kids, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Testimonials. Brilliant. You know, include some testimonials um, where and make them short because, you know, people like me don't want to read long ones, but, you know, short, punchy or even screenshots, a couple of screenshots from Google of five star review. My God, he was fantastic. Oh, she was really gentle and amazing. It's like because that's what we're in the game of. We're in the game of caring for patients and the quality of the dentistry. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's important. The most important thing is how you care for the patients, how you look after the patients. And if you interact well, because without patients, it doesn't, no one's, no, I've never had a patient thank me for a tertiary fissure, <laughs> but they have complimented me on how gentle I was and how lovely I was. That gets more patients. Thanks for having me, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you, Barry. As always, it's been great. Cheers what your path was. Um, and now I want to say, what, what can you, you know, for those listening and watching right now, young dentists, what advice would you want to give them above and beyond what we've already talked about? Um, so I think really it's something useful would be don't rush to get to the end because you, again, I think you can be influenced and um, see cases online that you think that's what I want to recreate but there's a lot of steps along the way to, to get to that. And if you just focus on that end goal, it's, you know, that it, people always say that, you know, you've got to enjoy the journey as much as the end point. And, and by setting those small goals, you can really appreciate every little bit and achievement that you make. So yeah, don't, don't set this end achievement and, you know, oh, once I do that, then I'll be happy or then I'll be doing well because really it's, it's got to be smaller than that. And, um, the second thing I would say is in kind of links onto that is just try and take enjoyment out of your work. I, I genuinely enjoy doing the, the work that I do. And my poor wife, when I come home and say, do you want to see some photos I took today? She <laughs> usually very politely obliges, but you can, you know, she does not want to see another reclusive composite. How long, um, how long are you married? <laughs> uh, just over two years. Yeah. No, mate, well, when you get to, when you, when you get to five years, um, when you, when you get to five years, uh, she, yeah, she doesn't even listen to my, she doesn't even listen to my own podcast. She's a dentist. She doesn't listen to my podcast, man. She, she couldn't give a shit about what I do, man. <laughs> I come home and I show the photos and she's like, listen, I, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when the baby comes, that's going to be, uh, I'm going to be Game talking over, to him mate. about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah, so um, enjoy what you're doing. And so on the same thing as the first point, I suppose, is I think when I was in mixed practice, you sometimes hear people saying, yeah, I wanted to get into private practice because then you get, you can book more time and all this and you're sitting there going, well, it doesn't help me. I'm in NHS practice, but actually you don't have, it comes back to the small goals idea. You can just pick one case. So say someone comes in and you have a look in the mouth and, they, and you go, oh, it's just an upper six occlusal. And you could think, okay, get that, get that done, move on. 
Or you could think, okay, I'm going to actually designate some time next week. And yes, I'm not going to make much money out of that case. I might even make a loss, but it's not going to affect your yearly take home. So Mm -hmm. learn something from it. And you can, if you making the big change, going from doing what you're doing to, okay, I'm going to do the perfect crown preps and I'm going to do the perfect dentures. I'm going to do the perfect everything. It's, it's not going to happen. So just pick one case, enjoy it and don't worry about the money on it. Just, just have a good time, learn something from it. And it might not go to plan, but something will. And then you can repeat that over and over. So everyone's different in how they're going to, how much time they'd be able to dedicate to that. But I, when I was in Bath, I was working, I, I, I had a lot of part-time positions initially when we moved there and they were all very, very different practices. One was private, one was a high need NHS practice and, and a couple in between. And so I used my private practice time to try and do that, but you can do it within your own normal day list. It doesn't really matter. I think Um, what you're given there is really real world advice. And I think that's going to help a lot of people. It's a mindset thing, isn't it? And I think, Mm. yeah, you can't go to doing everything perfect gold standard because, you know, you have to be realistic about the time. If if you all had three hours to do uh, a couple of composites for every case, our dentistry would be, you know, our contact points would be tighter. Our fissures would be on point. Our occlusion would not be as bad. Um, a lot of things would be in our favor if we had all that time, but to actually balance out, especially if you're in mixed practice or NHS practice, it's a great little tip that you get great little nugget. I want to emphasize that to, I would call that protected time. Give yourself. And I think the way you said it was, was great. Give, pick a case and say, you know, this is my protected patient or protected case. And the rest of it, you have to work smart and work well, but it still deliver as best care as you can. But then that one case where you're just going to fall in love with the dentistry in, in that much, fall in love with all yeah. the dentistry. But I think you know what I mean, right? That one case, <laughs> yeah, you're going to really, yeah, yeah. you know, put, 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 the, put the sort of cherry on top and, and get it perfect. And slowly mm. you build your portfolio like that. 